This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us again. The Trump administration has been incredibly proactive on trying to protect and promote international religious freedom, pioneering the annual ministerial to advance religious freedom and the International Religious Freedom Alliance, among other efforts. But what will happen to the cause of religious freedom when a Biden administration is put into place, especially at a time when Open Doors USA is reporting that Christian persecution worldwide is at a record high? We're going to talk about it now with Gary Bauer, Commissioner at the U.S. Commission for International Religious Freedom and President of American Values. Gary, so great to have you with us. How are you? Uh, Good, Janet. Always great to be with you, particularly in this new year. Oh, absolutely. It's great to talk to you again. There have been a lot of gains, I know, under the Trump administration when it comes to promoting religious freedom globally. And it's kind of interesting because when you're following it on a day-to-day basis, there's so many things that went on in the last few years pertaining to international religious freedom that people forget. But what would you say have been some of the highlights of the last several years? Well, it's a good question, and in some ways uh, a tough one to answer because the administration's done so much. I uh, I don't like to confess this, Janet, but I, I've been in Washington for decades, and, uh, you know, it's the swamp, and uh, conservative Christians are not supposed to feel at home here. Right. But this is where God sent me, so this is where I've been working. And I have to say, you know, in all those years, both Republican and Democrat administrations, um, no one has done more uh, than the Trump-Pence administration has done on the religious liberty issue, uh, both here in the United States, but our discussion right now is about internationally. And from the top, to you know, from the president to the vice president to Secretary of State Pompeo, and then the special uh, um, interlocutor, uh, Ambassador Brownback, right. uh, who also has an assignment on international religious freedom, uh, they've just been relentless. They've uh, they've called out countries in international forums uh, that are violating this basic human right. They've uh, penalized uh, uh, countries from you know with with restrictions on uh, foreign aid, but also they've singled out individuals in various countries that are responsible for persecution at the direction of those countries' governments. And they've um, penalized them. They've denied them entry into the United States. In some cases, they've tried to move on their financial assets. Um, so it, it has been an across-the-board effort uh, to protect this fundamental right that I think, unfortunately, most Americans sort of take for granted. Uh, there's been progress in some specific countries, we, places that are not headline grabbers, but uh, countries like Sudan, for example, and Uzbekistan, when the international, when the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom has called those countries out and critiqued them, uh, they've made changes, and we're now in the process of of um, commending them for some of the improvement. Having said all that, Janet, we still have a huge problem, a number of them, but particularly 
uh, one big problem that's in a category all by itself, and that's communist China. Yes. Right. That's interesting that you mentioned China, because for the first time, I think, ever, or, or at least in the last several years, I can't recall the exact time frame, but Open Doors putting out its world watch list has indicated China is back in the top 20. And, and it's weird because it's not just the usual persecution that you see coming from communist regimes, but also they're moving into things like facial recognition surveillance, and that's kind of opening up more doors to be able to persecute Christians and also some other religious groups. What are your concerns and and the concerns of the commission about what is going on in China? We hear about the Uyghurs, for example, but Christians, they're seeing increased persecution. What can you tell us about what's all going on there right now? It's almost impossible to overstate uh, what the communist Chinese are doing. Uh, I've said publicly, and I, I will continue to say it, that literally communist China has declared war on all religious faiths. And as you point out, Janet, that's it's really not surprising, given that they're a communist regime. It's based on they're based on the idea that there is no power uh, higher than uh, communism or the communist government. But uh, they are going about it in a way that I, I think is unprecedented. They call it sinicizing or, or sinicizing religion. So right. when they don't stamp a faith out, they try to mold the faith to fit something that is compatible with Chinese communism. So for Christians, uh, church leaders are being told uh, to take the crosses down off of their churches. Uh, if there are uh, paintings or other representations of Jesus on display in the church, uh, the, the communist government is ordering them to take those paintings and renditions down. And, uh, not surprisingly, but still disgustingly, uh, they're, they're being told to put up uh, pictures, photographs, of Premier Xi, uh, the leader of communist China, right. in those churches. Right. There's an effort underway right now to rewrite the Bible, believe it or not, to take out verses that could be troublesome, troublesome for the Chinese communists, and to edit other verses to make it sound like the Word of God is actually compatible with godless communism. Hmm. So uh, to say that these efforts are Orwellian uh, doesn't really capture it. It's, uh, it's deeply troubling. It's, it's uh, illegal under international law, and it's really important for the United States and all other free societies in the world uh, to be alert to this and to be fighting back against what uh, communist China is trying to do. Right. Well, it seems China is rather emboldened at the moment on a lot of fronts. And th- we have this incoming administration, and we can talk about some of the problems with China having to do with the incoming president of the United States. That's a whole other subject. But what kind of position does this put your commission in when you have China really emboldened on so many fronts right now from a political perspective? Yes. Uh, you know, our commission is um, uh, a bipartisan commission, and uh, it's hard even to imagine that in Washington after what's happened in recent years. Yeah. Uh, but uh, right now, I believe four of our commissioners have been appointed by uh, Democrats, uh, 
people like uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi and uh, and by Chuck Schumer, and five of the commissioners. So there's a total of nine of us have been appointed by either the president uh, or by Speaker McConnell or Leader McConnell in the in the, in the Senate. And uh, re- remarkably, we we disagree as commissioners, uh, not surprisingly, uh, but. Uh, the, the disagreements are seldom uh, on the basis of whether we're Republican-appointed commissioners or Democrat-appointed commissioners. It's usually disagreements over the, you know, with the most effective way to deal with a problem or how far we can go in critiquing it and you know, how do we make sure we stay within the confines of the law that we have. Um, to give an example, one of our commissioners, uh, Nuri Turkel, uh, is in fact a Uyghur Muslim whose family lives in communist China today, hmm. and he was appointed by um, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, I was a, I was appointed by President Trump, and uh, Nuri Turkel and I end up being the two biggest allies uh, on the commission, and in pushing for stronger and more consistent and and tougher condemnation of of communist China. Uh, so that heartens me, but uh, I, I really want to bring home that this isn't only a problem for the Christians and the Muslims and the other religions in communist China, because this is, I think, the first time that a country uh, has emerged on the world scene that is setting out itself as a uh, alternative to the Western liberal democracies. Yes. Uh, communist China is enjoying great uh, economic success uh, in some ways. Um, they're becoming more and more powerful uh, uh, militarily. And you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation that uh, they, they've they had a lot of advances in technology. Yeah, you know what? Let's hold it there. We'll go to a quick break and we'll come back with Gary Bauer. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. We'll come back after this. What's it like when a pregnant mom sees her baby for the first time? It all came down to the ultrasound. And I saw this little lima bean looking thing with a halo, which I thought was incredible. A baby wasn't really in the plan for this young mom. After seeing a halo on her baby on ultrasound at a preborn center, she was still leaning towards abortion. And I got to hear the heartbeat and I got chills. In that moment, I just felt God's arms come around me and hug me and tell me that it was going to be okay. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. Ultrasounds save lives. Would you join with Preborn in helping moms to choose life? To donate, just call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. All gifts are tax deductible. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a Preborn banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. What did you pray for today? 
good health, safety, maybe to meet a goal. Those are good things to pray for. But pastors and evangelists in the Middle East aren't praying for material blessings or for an end to the persecution or difficulties they face. Rather, they're praying for copies of God's Word so that believers will be spiritually nourished and strengthened to live out their faith in this challenging part of the world. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like the Middle East, Asia, Africa, and Latin America live each day without their very own Bible. But you can send one today. Give one Bible for only $5, 20 Bibles for $100, or 200 Bibles for $1,000. Whatever you'd like to give, you can become a Bible sender by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Gary Bauer is with us, Commissioner at the U.S. Commission for International Religious Freedom, President of American Values, and so much more. Gary, we were talking about what your commission has been able to do over the last several years under a Trump administration and what some of the challenges are lying ahead. Now, you've talked about the the issue of China and what sort of challenge that presents, but you obviously have a good ally, as you mentioned, a Uyghur Muslim there uh, as part of the commission. And I wanted to let you pick up where we had to leave off when I so rudely went to break. <laughs> I was full of vestry, Jan. It's, a, it's an occupational hazard in Washington. That's okay. <laughs> yes, I was, just, I was just pointing out that uh, China is, has got a a, a lot of advances in technology, and sadly, they're using that technology not to help make people freer, uh, but to to oppress people more. So, not only does China have more surveillance cameras, which use artificial intelligence and facial recognition, that they're using to oppress their own people. For for example, if you go to church in China on a Sunday morning. It's very likely that when you walk into uh, the church, into the sanctuary, your face is being captured by facial recognition technology that's installed in the front of the church. Mm. And that information on you, that you're at that church, is being sent immediately to central computers in communist China. And it's used to assign you a score um, uh, it's hard to even describe what this is. It would be like a credit rating, but this is a rating about whether you are a reliable Chinese citizen or not. Yeah. And if you're going to a church whose pastor may be preaching, hopefully, the gospel as it's written, you'll earn demerits for attending that church. Mm. It can affect whether you get a, a promotion where you work, whether your child might get into the university they want to go to. It can even impact whether you are allowed to travel outside the province that you live in, in communist China. So they've installed, uh, by some estimates, 500 million surveillance cameras all over communist China, but it gets worse, Janet. They have sold this technology to at least 60 other countries around the world. And in many cases, it's countries that want to oppress their people. Mm. So, you know, for years we've been used to free nations banding together in alliances, whether it's NATO or some of the other treaty organizations, and we band together because we want to protect freedom. But we're facing the real prospect that there could be an alliance 
of thugs, dictators, authoritarian leaders aligned with communist China, supplied with technology from communist China, who may be, in fact, are, appear to be emerging as a major competitor to the United States, that these countries are saying to the rest of the world that their model of authoritarianism, of repression, is a better model than the model of the free Western democracies. And Janet, I think this is going to be the biggest challenge uh, facing the United States, facing the incoming uh, Biden administration, and facing uh, the free world, probably not for the next five or ten years, but for the next 50 years, because it's very much in doubt who's going to win that competition. Well, it is. And when you're talking about the fact that China has sold this technology to some 60 countries, which other countries are we talking about? Are we talking about little countries in the Middle East, Africa, Europe, or are we talking about powerhouse nations like Russia? It's a combination. Uh, The Chinese are working more and more closely uh, with the Russians and sharing technology, as well as uh, in recent years beginning to do more and more military maneuvers together. Um, but also, there's, as you mentioned, there's a lot of emerging countries uh, in Africa, in the Middle East, countries that uh, want to become more successful economically and have populations that desperately want to enter the modern world. And China, Communist China, has come up with a really effective strategy that they're that they're using. They go to those countries and they say, "Look, we'll make you uh, loans that you can use for development purposes mm-hmm. in your country to help your people have a better life." But in in exchange for that, we want you to buy this technology from us, this facial recognition technology. We want you to share the information you get about your own people with us. We'd like the right to build a military base in your country that we can station uh, our troops in or our Navy at. And that's been happening all through the Middle East and in Africa, and there's even inroads being made by uh, Latin America. So, you you know, we we had the Cold War with the Soviet Union. That was a scary time at some points. But nobody thought the Soviet Union was a model that much of the rest of the world would want to follow. Unfortunately, communist China is seen as a model by a lot of third world countries. Goodness. Well, now we have a new administration about to come into the White House, and there are organizations I've read about online who are concerned whether or not the mission of your commission and also some other religious freedom sectors are going to be able to continue the work that was done so well under the Trump administration. I know your chair, Gail Manchin, has said she expects that the Biden administration will be supportive. How how are you seeing it at this juncture? Well, I want to be very careful here because we, uh, as I pointed out, we're we're bipartisan and we we try to studiously stay out of um, of domestic American politics. Although I'm sure many of your listeners know, and I know you lo- know that outside of my role on this commission, I I am very much a partisan uh, on uh, on these kinds of issues and and many others. Look, uh, at times uh, the USERF has issued reports in which we have urged the Trump administration, as good as it has been, uh, to do even more. And the Republicans on the commission joined with the Democrats on the commission to to urge that to happen. And I never felt any pressure from the uh, Trump White House uh, to not lend my name uh, to those reports. 
uh, it is my hope and prayer that uh, in the new administration that our commission will be uh, just as even-handed in calling on the new president and vice president uh, to not only meet the standard that President Trump and Vice President Pence have set these last four years, but uh, I would urge them, and I think the other commissioners would too, to strive to do even more. Now, uh, without my USERF hat on, uh, I'm a little worried because I, I, I think there are some elements of the incoming administration that don't seem to have this as a high priority. And, and I will quickly add that under the, you know, under the Trump administration, I was concerned about the influence of the American business community mm. on the Trump administration because too many American corporations want to make big money in China, and they will often pressure whoever is president uh, not to be too tough on China because they don't want to lose their opportunity to make all that, uh, that wealth. Right. Well, and and this gets into another discussion, and I don't know how how you can answer this, given your position, but a a lot of Christians, as you know, are concerned about their own religious freedom. Who knew that that would ever become an issue in the United States? But we've seen some of these, you know, saber-rattling maneuvers by big gay activists and other people in politics to really kind of press down more on Christian religious freedom. And there's a growing element in in leftist politics, frankly, that, that would love to kind of bring down the power of the First Amendment. Do you have concerns along those lines? Yes, making it very clear that now I'm not speaking for you, sir, because the law requires that we only spend our efforts on international religious freedom. Yes. So let me take my USERF hat off a second and put on the hat of, uh, of that I've worn for my 30-plus years in Washington. I think there's no doubt that American religious liberty is under attack. I, I think we've seen that during the coronavirus. And I, I have to be honest with you, Janet, I, I was very disappointed at the number of churches uh, that very quickly allowed mayors and governors to order them to shut down Amen. when at the same time they were allowing abortion clinics to stay open and big box stores and all the rest of it. And I, I would urge, and I have urged, and I'll, I'll continue to try to be a Paul Revere on this, you, the, the surest way to lose our religious liberty is to take it for granted. And I, I would hope that every pastor, every priest, every rabbi, any individual in America that cares about this basic human right of seeking God and worshiping God as our heart and soul leads us to be vigilant about the movements and the uh, pressures that are building in Europe and the United States that have as their outcome the restricting of religious liberty here. Well, that's well said, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I, I think in some ways it's a little bit disconcerting for Christians to even be thinking along the lines of the First Amendment being compromised. But on the other hand, we can't take it for granted. I mean, we think about all these Christians around the world who have had incredible persecution and have been fighting to keep their churches open and have been subject to violence and, and even murder. And it's it's a very serious thing. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are about how Christians should fight for their religious freedom in this new year? Well, you know, I, uh, I get irritated when I, uh, and I've heard this many times over the years, when I hear religious leaders or just folks in the congregations, my own congregations, say, well, Gary, I, you know, I don't want to be involved in politics and government. That has nothing to do with the Bible. It has nothing to do with me. Well, that's just not true. I mean, we've, it, you can't have a greater blessing 
right now in the world than to have been born in the United States. Yes. That is based on religious liberty. Right. And I think we have an obligation as men and women of faith uh, to be active citizens, whether we're re- Republican or Democrat. Uh, we ought to get inv- involved in our political, the political party we identify with. And in that party, we ought to fight for religious liberty. And I would urge pastors and, and other religious leaders to find their voices, because in a democracy or a constitutional republic like ours, if we don't take a place in the public square, our place will be taken by somebody else. Yep. Gary, you're right. We're out of time. Gary Bauer, thank you so much. I really appreciate your work, and we'll be right back. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. It is Sanctity of Human Life Month, and what better time to help save the lives of helpless preborn babies? We at Janet Mefford today are partnering with the Ministry of Preborn this month. We want to save 350 babies. How will we accomplish this? Through the power of ultrasound and with your help and by the grace of God. It is the most incredible thing, but when abortion-minded women are offered free ultrasounds at crisis pregnancy centers across the nation in order to see their babies, eight out of 10 of them will choose life. I mean, that's incredible. We do need your help this month, though. One ultrasound costs just $28, and for a gift of $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds for these women in crisis and help save human lives. 855-402-BABY is the number to call. 855-402-2229, or there is a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. We're going to spend a few minutes now talking more about the great ministry of preborn with the national director dan steiner dan so good to welcome you back to the show how are you doing hey janet blessed by the lord and uh thankful for our partnership here in the great endeavor to roll back the darkness of abortion here across america amen this is such an effective way of saving lives and i think it's such a great idea it's partly why we are so excited to partner with you and, and really overwhelmingly why we love partnering with you how did you get this idea to approach saving preborn lives this way? What is it about this method that is so effective in saving little babies? Yes, yeah, so it's a twofold thing. Um, first off is the lie that uh, has been foisted upon our culture that these aren't babies. These are products of conception. They're blobs of tissue. They're masses of cells. And, uh, you know, the women come in with, with this, you know, dribble in their mind about lack of humanity of the baby until they get on the table and they see this little person, you know, floating around in the amniotic fluid and, and, uh, and then they see the heartbeat and then they realize, Oh, someone else is in the room here. <laughs> and they, you know, their mother, their motherly instincts kick in that God has put in place there. And so a, you know, the reason it's so effective, number one, is that it, it, it humanizes and personalizes the baby for these women. And uh, this is the effectiveness of what 
you've been asking listeners now for a few years to do is provide these ultrasounds, and it changes lives dramatically. The second reason that it's so effective is that uh, it, it resolves the woman's courage to stand against the people in her life that are pushing her to abort. Yeah. About 48% of the time, the mother of the pregnant girl, yes, she's wanting to kill her grandchild, uh, but she doesn't want it. And so she doesn't want the noise. She doesn't want the hassle. So she, she drives her daughter to the abortion clinic and pushes her in the room. But when that girl sees the baby, and oftentimes when the grandmother, you know, the mother of the pregnant girl sees the baby, they go for a second thought on it and, and choose life. And so it gives her the courage to take charge of the situation and uh, make the right decision. It just opens up a whole another dynamic to the decision-making process. 42% of the time, Janet, it's the it's the boyfriend, husband, or whatever that's pushing this young girl to abort. Mm-hmm. And uh, so most of the time then, over 80% of the time, she really in her heart doesn't want to. Now, that's not the case all the time. We get, you know, people have had multiple abortions. Maybe they're uh, career dancers or whatever, you know. Uh, maybe they're older and they just don't want to have a baby. And so, uh, you know, you get those. But for the most part, if you can show a woman her baby, she'll choose life. Right. And uh, that's, what we're, that's what we're all about. It's really great. How many babies' lives have been saved through your ministry? Oh, my goodness. Well, I know it was uh, 31,000 in 2020. I would say there's been over 100,000 uh, since we've been doing this. I don't have that number right in front wow. of me. But, uh, wow. You know, for me, just one is fantastic. Oh, yeah. But I mean, to put a point on it, that it really does make a difference that there are all these human beings who were born because of the generosity of listeners like mine. This is a a real life-saving endeavor. And you know, it strikes me too, when I'm thinking about this, Dan, that we are now on the precipice of having an administration that will be totally opposite on the life issue uh, compared to the previous administration. Can you speak to that issue? Why this time in particular, it matters even more that pro-lifers step up to save babies' lives? Yeah, so you, you guys, uh, you and your listeners remember the name David Delight, and that's the guy that uh, pulled the sheets back on Planned Parenthood's baby part merchandising national operation sure. in 2017. And uh, he was, instead of Planned Parenthood being taken to court for, you know, merchandising across straight line with baby parts, which is highly illegal, they slapped him with 14 different federal offenses. Right. And uh, he's still fighting that to this day. The person that did that, the attack lawyer for the pro-death cause for Planned Parenthood, was a guy by the name of Xavier Becerra. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was an attorney in California. And uh, um, extremely pro-death, pro-abortion attorney, whom was sent by the then-acting attorney general of California by the name of Kamala Harris. That's right. Since named to to Kamala Harris since then. But anyway, uh, and so now uh, with her soon to be the president, certainly starting with a vice president, she is uh, uh, appointing this same Xavier Becerra as the head of Health and Human Services' trillion-dollar budget. Oh, boy. 
And so this is this is this is like shoot for the stars, get the moon. No, they got the stars. Planned Parenthood did with this administration. It will be proliferated beyond our imagination because of the um, history of this pro-death administration that's coming into office. There is no more uh, virulent team than Harris Bakera in promoting abortion and in being hostile to pro-death to pro-life causes. Oh yes. Um, yeah. These are the people that, you know, um, said that the clinics in California had to post on their doors and beside their service windows where to get abortions in pro-life pregnancy clinics. Yes. Uh, that's a violation of free speech First Amendment, but and we won on that one. But these are the people that that foisted that on the pro-life movement. So we're we're sitting back, you know not knowing what tomorrow looks like, but we do know who holds tomorrow, so we're confident to move forward. But all of that, legislatively, we're going to make zero progress under a Harris-Biden administration with pro-life. Politically, um, it's dead in the water. But from a, uh, maybe on on a state level, there'll be some restrictions, but it's still legal in all 50 states. Right, yes. But every day, pregnancy clinics are saving lives um, by the hundreds, by the hundreds. And we've just begun. We've, we're going to do more in 20, 2021 than we've ever done with the help of faithful listeners like yours. Yes. So yes. Um, just know that that $140 gift really does. 100% of it goes to our clinics to give five girls an ultrasound. Yep. And most of the time. They're going to choose life. It's it's a wonderful opportunity to really stand in the gap for these young girls who have really a lot of them, as you mentioned, are under tremendous pressure from loved ones. Sometimes the boyfriend or the husband, and sometimes the parent, as you mentioned, and 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 yet there is something about, and I can say this from experience: when you see your own baby in your own womb and you see that little heartbeat. Nobody in most of the time, you know, most of the cases, as you've said with these women, most of the time, that's all it takes is for the mom to say, I can't possibly do anything but bring my baby into the world. So I want to give people an opportunity to call the number to call if you'd like to help. Twenty eight dollars will pay for one ultrasound, a free ultrasound for a woman with a crisis pregnancy. And one hundred forty dollars will provide five free ultrasounds. This is the number eight five five four zero two baby eight five five four zero two baby or 855-402-2229 or online there is a banner to click at janetmefford.com help us get to that magic number of 350 babies saved this month of january dan steiner from preborn god bless you dan keep up the good work thanks for your help janet so honored god bless you we'll be back on janet mefford today Hi, this is Janet Mefford here today with Matt Bellis with Liberty HealthShare, a national nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry. Matt, many people today are confused about their options for covering their healthcare expenses. How is Liberty HealthShare different from insurance? Well, we don't want to be insurance at all. We are called a healthcare sharing ministry. Just meaning that as men and women, we're voluntarily sharing medical bills with one another. But that means that insurance does basically two things that we don't do. 
One, we don't share risk. We don't try to take risk and spread it out amongst as many people as possible. We are each individually responsible for our own risk. The second thing is that we don't pool our funds. We don't put our money into a big, giant, bureaucratic black hole, and hopefully someday we'll be able to get some money out of that. So those are the two main differences. We don't spread risk, and we don't pool our funds. We're all each individually responsible for our own health care and health care bills, and we share our money whenever we need each other as it pertains to our health care bills. So that's why we're not insurance, and we couldn't be more proud not to be insurance. Why would you say that health care sharing is a great option? Well, it really does set people free within the confines of a community that helps you in times of need. We're here to support each other in a community and help you during those times that are unexpected and unaffordable. But you as the individual have the uh, ability, responsibility, and the freedom to make decisions within your health care that pertains to you and your family. Thanks, Matt. More information about Liberty HealthShare is available at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT, or their phone number is 855-585-4237. You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now here's Janet. Did you find it a little bit odd that Congress, in its excitement to impeach the president of the United States for the second time, really didn't want to take their time to gather evidence and create some sort of proof, put forward proof that Trump actually was guilty of inciting an insurrection. They just kind of rushed ahead with it. They rushed ahead with it, even as the president of the United States will not be president very much longer. Seemed a little weird, didn't it? A little out of order. Because impeaching a president, at least up until this last four-year period, was a very solemn thing. It was not something that Congress took lightly. It had to be something that was extremely serious. That's all gone now. The deliberative body that was the House of Representatives, I believe, is largely gone. I don't know if we'll ever be able to get it back. But when you're considering the lack of evidence that they even attempted to gather in order to make their case, you might want to consider... This bit of information reported by, of all outlets, CNN. Listen to this. Evidence uncovered so far, including weapons and tactics seen on surveillance video, suggests a level of planning, planning that has led investigators to believe the attack on the U.S. Capitol was not just a protest that spiraled out of control. This is a federal law enforcement official telling CNN that this was Planned, likely planned. Well, wait a second. What does that do now to the impeachment of Donald Trump? Maybe if you had taken your time to gather some evidence, which you never had any intention of doing in the first place, Pelosi and company, you might have avoided this little awkwardness. Not that they care, not that it will make any difference whatsoever because Trump is leaving office and, you know, they'll wipe their hands clean and move on to their next crazy agenda because that's what they do. But I find this very interesting. And Town Hall has a good column on this. Major twist in U.S. Capitol storming might have gutted the Democrats' narrative on Trump impeachment. Now, CNN says this. Among the evidence the FBI is examining are indications that some participants at the Trump rally at the Ellipse outside the White House left the event early, perhaps to retrieve items to be used in the assault on the Capitol. Well, how were they incited then? 
if they had the whole thing cooked up in advance. A team of investigators and prosecutors are also focused on the command and control aspect of the attack, looking at travel and communications records to determine if they can build a case that is similar to a counterterrorism investigation, the official said. The belief early in the probe will demand significant investigation. Right, but does anybody at CNN recognize what they're actually reporting here? That this would break apart if it is true, and it's under investigation right now, as I mentioned. If it were true, it would destroy the narrative that was very lame to begin with, that Trump incited an insurrection. They don't care. But does it bother Americans that this is what our republic is becoming? Again, you go back to some of these quotes from the founding fathers. And one of the things that they said, and there are a lot of quotes to this effect, was that you can't have a republic without a moral, virtuous people and a religious people as well. You can't have a republic. And don't you see now why that is? If you do not recognize the U.S. Constitution is what it is and says what it says and means what it means, how in the world can you govern people? How can you have any kind of abiding contract among the people? You can't. How in the world, if you don't adhere to the rule of law, can you have any semblance of a law-abiding society? Well, look at what happened last summer. You can't. You cannot do it. How in the world? I mean, how could the First Amendment be shredded? Well, how are they shredding the, the First Amendment? Everybody is looking at what's going on with big tech and saying to themselves, but this isn't right. How in the world can you have, A, a monopoly with these big tech giants and, and the government hasn't yet broken it up such that you can have Twitter or Google, Apple, Amazon, all these people not only getting rid of Trump off social media, but going after sites like Parler. How is this possible? And and before that, it was a question of free speech. We have a First Amendment. Yes, these people are, you know, subject to Section 230, and that kind of protects them, so they're not going to get sued for everything that is ever said on their social media sites. But this should not give them carte blanche to go around and censor conservatives and censor Christians. And, you know, we've had this problem here as well, our God's Voice conference in 2019, we put up all these wonderful speeches from our conference. So people who weren't able to attend were able to listen to some of the great talks that were given at that conference. And because we were addressing LGBT tyranny and the Revoice conference and why so-called gay Christianity is completely unbiblical and why homosexuality is wrong and a sin, Vimeo kicked us off. They kicked off the church, and then I guess the church finally got its account given back to them. That was Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. But we've seen this all over the place, the cancel culture. If we lived in a society that really believed in the First Amendment, and when it comes down to it, that's what's really necessary for any of this to mean anything, is the people have to adhere to the principles behind what is written on the paper. That's gone. For millions of people now, that is gone. How do you ever get it back? I don't know. I'm praying that we get it back. I'm praying that the millions of people who are not going along with this stuff are going to stand up. But I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for people across the United States who are losing their businesses because of this ridiculous shutdown stuff are going to stand up and say, I'm opening my business. I'm amazed, frankly, maybe not as amazed as I would have been at one point, but I am amazed, frankly, that more business owners have not stood up, gathered together with other business owners and collectively said, we're not doing this anymore. We have livelihoods. We have lives to live. We have families to feed. We're not going to do it. It's been one person here or one person there. We've lost our fight. 
And I'm not talking about some insurrection. I'm not talking about anything that is violent. I'm talking about the will to fight in the way where you push back against lies and you push back against anti-American ideals. And, you know, congratulations left because you've indoctrinated so many kids through the public school system. These kids don't know up from down anymore. They're not educated. They're just not educated. They might know some math. They might know some science, you know, climate change and Darwinian evolution, of course, is undergirding all of it. But they're not educated people. They're not. They're too busy worrying about whether or not the person they had to read in political science was a white man. And if he was a white man, maybe you shouldn't be reading him because that's not fair. It's not diverse enough. You know, we're having these kinds of conversations while the republic is being shredded. I'm just telling the truth. Now, here's an interesting development. I'm sure you heard about this. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia made a very interesting announcement on Newsmax TV. Let's listen to cut one. I would like to announce on behalf of the American people, we have to make sure that our leaders are held accountable. We cannot have a president of the United States that is willing to abuse the power of the office of the presidency um, and be easily bought off by foreign governments, uh, foreign Chinese or Chinese energy companies, Ukrainian energy companies. So on January 21st, I will be filing articles of impeachment on Joe Biden. Wow. <laughs> What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Maybe they can impeach Joe Biden every two weeks just until something takes. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, give her credit for having the the ability to set forth what is actually impeachable stuff, presumably, allegedly. We're still awaiting the results of the Hunter Biden investigation, but Bobolinsky was pretty straightforward when he came out and revealed all the evidence about what Hunter was up to and the money that was coming back and 10% for the big guy. Seems to me like a pretty big story. If you have a president of the United States who ends up being compromised with communist China, it would seem that would be something in national security, you know, kind of a, a big crisis in national security, would it not? Let's listen to one more cut. This is Taylor Green, cut two. I'm a big believer in having people in office that are actually willing to do the job. And I, I can't imagine people in this country uh, being so fearful of a future of a Biden presidency that they may be willing to commit violence like they did in the Capitol here in Washington, D.C. We cannot have that. I do not condone that violence. The American people need hope. They need to know that there are Republicans in Congress that are willing to stand up and fight for them, regardless of being in a minority, regardless of having all at odds against us, against me or against anyone in Congress. We have to hold people accountable. Joe Biden is on record on the phone saying that he would withhold a billion dollars of foreign aid if he didn't get his way with these deals with his son, Hunter. And there's an ongoing investigation with Hunter Biden's laptop. Um, into being bought and paid for by Chinese, communist Chinese energy companies. This is a dangerous threat to our country when we have a man that will be holding the power of the presidency, but um, will so easily and is on record for abusing power. All right. Well, give her some credit for having some fight in her. It's nice to get some new blood in Congress. People who see things as they actually are. Will this go anywhere? Probably not. Interestingly enough, John Kerry, a few days ago, this was from Justin Haskins from the Heartland Institute, revealed that Biden's devotion to the radical Great Reset movement is moving forward. There's a lot to pray about, isn't there? We've got to leave it there, though. We'll see you next time here on Janet Mefford Today. Thanks for being with us.